is Memorex Memories, and you're listening to the Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade may contain explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Paradise Arcade with Eric and Kyle. All right, welcome back, listeners, uh, to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. This week, we're doing it a little bit different. Um, Kyle could not join us. He had a goth club incident the previous night. So I asked my good friend Matt to step in. Hi, Matt. Hi. Um, And then we're together, we're interviewing someone I'm very, very excited about having on. Um, Sean, a.k.a. Memorex Memories, welcome to the show. Oh, man, you're making me blush over here. <laughs> What's up? What's up, guys? <laughs> What's up? Uh, so I'm going to be honest. I, I'm super excited to have you on. Um, we had a whole bunch of conversations before we properly started, um, which I think is uh, all things that we could rehash. But um, I'm excited to have you on because you're one of those artists that when I listen to your music, it reminded me the first time that I heard Aphex Twin or Square Pusher for the first time. Um, God. Where, Damn, bro. Flattery will get you everywhere. Jesus. I almost swooned there. So, <laughs> so let me exp- let me explain why. Uh, it's interesting. That's beautiful. Because uh, you were talking about some things about the reticence of being associated with the scene earlier in our conversation. Mm-hmm. What I really like uh, about your music, and especially the life of Riley, is that you take things that I think that people take for granted musically, acoustical sounds, um, or forgotten things and then you do this really interesting twist with them and and in the same way that what square pusher did with using his bass in the music or apex twin incorporating all these different kinds of sounds Mm. um and doing something new and exciting with them and also being very emotional at the same time Uh, life o'reilly is a really beautiful record um so to do that with electronic music and as Matt knows, is really difficult to get to move people um, emotionally. And I think your music is, is does that really well. And again, it gives me those vibes of those those uh, early pioneers that are just great electronic artists who maybe escaped their label themselves. As we talk about whatever wave scene you mm. want to want to say. Um, so I'd like to kind of retalk about. Uh, in motion and we talked about some really great things early in the conversation about how they're the in motion one and in motion two are bookends of of you as a person um so could you talk a little bit about how you uh, started with in motion and where you're at now yeah sure but sorry i just like to clarify i'm very taken aback but thank you so much they were especially kind words <laughs> very much appreciate that uh, uh my imposter syndrome is is flaring up man as soon as you mentioned like apex twin square pusher beside me you know, like jesus christ like maybe quickly close the tab and <laughs> go hide in the corner run away yeah um but uh yeah no no i'm i'm i mean uh, more than happy to kind of go over what we were talking about there but uh, uh, effectively it was along the lines of um i don't know what um when actually actually sorry i'm getting so tongue-tied here i was gonna say like a couple of weeks ago maybe a month ago or so i actually released a short video that kind of goes into a little bit more of the themes on in motion one 
um just because like i mean obviously it can be a little bit lengthy but for anyone that's kind of wanting to dive into that that is there as well that was a that was a plug that's how you that's how you plug your shit right there (laughs) good man plug away Um, no man uh when i wrote in motion one it, it was effectively like a chapter change in my life like um i had just started to see the world from a brand new perspective after like a, a huge battle with um mental health my entire life you know you can say that like anxiety depression whatever you want to call it uh, i mean it's very common as well it is very common but it was something that i feel like i had um just begin just begun to overcome and i mean like from everything to being trapped in a job that you don't like to be basically being made to feel like a statistic a number within your terrible entry-level office job uh, relationships ending relationships changing you know um like changing your social groups like all of these things were all tied into that and the title in motion itself kind of comes from like a, a a play on a couple of things uh one basically just being fighting against complacency it's very very easy for when you're up, uh, battling against all these things to just want to hide under the cover and really not fight towards it uh but i always found it's like i've got to stay in motion if i let complacency take over then that's that's going to be me i'm just going to basically uh, the, the equivalent of like just laying there and rotting and i didn't want to do that so as opposed to letting all these feelings overcome me, I just decided let's just throw all of that into the music that I'm currently writing, which is why, uh, I don't know, and in Motion 1, there's a, <laughs> I actually found this. Um, it was a self-help cassette tape in a charity shop. I don't know what you guys call charity shops, like Goodwill or something, what you call them or something. Yes. Uh, but uh, in a charity shop, and it was a self-help tape. And the reason I found it really funny is for some reason it was brought out by Nescafe. It's in like the coffee brand, so it had like a Nescafe, and it was I think it came free at one point, like the nineties, with a couple pack of coffee. But um, nice. I, I put it on just for a laugh, and then I was just like, "Oh, that could be a really cool sort of Lincoln theme for In Motion One." Is like to take all of these, you know, uh, don't panic, you know, breathe, take these breaths, all this, and kind of lace that in with the themes of the album. But anyway, sorry, I I just went on a huge ramble there. But effectively, what I tried to do within Motion 2, after all of these changes, um, is I'm in a far more balanced place in my life, mentally, physically. Um, I just feel in control, and it was just the idea of returning to those themes whilst in a completely different headspace. Trying to recapture all that uh, strange glitchiness and uh, dissonance, but with just a far more positive headset i actually feel like i described this infinitely better before we hit record it's always the same <laughs> man like, you record someone in the studio and then as soon as you hit record you immediately fuck it up yeah. i feel like i just done that for like 12 minutes <laughs> <laughs> no you did great you did really honestly you did really great um yeah so that's that's a really beautiful and very personal story i mean that's got to be a little bit at least there's not necessarily lyrics i suppose they're singing on it but um, it's still a very uh, bare emotional place to give out to the world. Well, yeah, I mean, um, my main objective in writing any music was uh, I wanted to write something that, I mean, I know what um, Boards of Canada done for me 
and I just wanted to I mean the the pipe dream in all of this is to hopefully someday write something that means as much to someone as Boards of Candor meant to me and that's what I'm going to continue to strive for because that's it. it's like th those guys gave me everything like they, they changed my life uh the sounds it just felt like someone scooped up at all these weird sounds i've been having in my head and put it on a cassette tape and fed it back to me and i was just like this is what i want to do with the rest of my life is just make sounds like this hmm. um so i mean yeah if you, you want to say it's a a bit of a personal output that's exactly right just because i mean that that's what i'm striving for endlessly but um actually like now that you mentioned that um I find that particularly in the scene, the the, I mean, no, I find it could be quite a few scenes actually. Now that you mention it, but a lot of um, modern music seems to uh, try and scratch the itch of nostalgia. You know, what I mean, that you hear that mm -hmm. a lot. It's like, oh, it makes me think of a a time that hasn't happened, or this makes me think of my childhood. And 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 by the way, let me say that is that's one of the things Boards of Canada done for me as well. Like. Um, that feeling of nostalgia, that comfort blanket almost, that is a beautiful part of music to experience. Um, but I feel that one of the things that is overlooked, in, like, well, at least from a music creation standpoint, is you, I know a lot of people will be like, oh yeah, the 90s, you know, especially with like Vaporwave. I'd be like, oh yeah, the nineties. Look at the aesthetic. Look at Windows. You know, look at that. Oh, Windows ninety eight. All of this. You know, the aesthetic. It's cool. I, I I love those aesthetics, right? But a lot of people just, I don't think it's necessarily like, oh, the nineties were better, the sixties were better, the seventies were better. I think what a lot of people pine for is just that comfort, that looking back and being like, oh, that's something that's familiar. You you always want to go back to your childhood, despite the fact that a lot of it may be romanticized. And that was something that I really wanted to to kind of do with this. Where I mean, here's a simple way to put it: How many of you guys have had a really shit apartment in the past? That when you were living there, you were like, "This is horrible." I mean, like it's cold, windows don't work. You've had a really shit apartment, right? It could be many things wrong with it. But maybe a year down the line, you look back on those little parties or something that happened there, and you're, "Oh man, that was good times." Mm -hmm. It's like before you know it, the times that you're currently living will be the good old days. Yeah. And see that idea. It's like you are someday it could be the worst moment that you're in, but someday that that will be a comfort blanket. It's like you're living the good old days as they are happening. And I just think that is quite an interesting thing to go for. It's like someday few years down the line you're going to be like oh man like 2000 well maybe not 20 maybe not 2020 <laughs> fuck 2020, but you know what i mean like maybe you'll yeah, be yeah. looking back and be like oh man that was cool i mean i suppose as much as even as much as fucking lockdown sucked you're probably going to have some kind of cozy memory from it to look back on but um yeah so i mean that was a long way of saying i, I do believe that you can create that similar pang of nostalgia Hmm. with abrasive sounds with something that's like a, a scratchy saw as opposed to just nice delicate sine waves and that kind of thing and echo i do believe that you can create the, this same uh i don't know satisfaction for nostalgia the boards of, boards of canada are scottish are they not uh yeah from edinburgh yeah capital so city is there a, is there a i'm imagining there's like a kinship also there as far as you know 
Because I mean, I, I was a little disappointed when we were talking earlier, and you said you were twenty. You were. You said you're how old? Uh, twenty eight. <laughs> so, so because it, when I listened to your music, the uh, the thing that I kept coming back to was like warp stuff. I mean, yeah. I just felt. I know that there's a whole there's a whole uh, you know pile of subgenreification around synth music out there now nowadays. Chill wave or synth wave or whatever the hell you want to call it. Mm. I think uh, you know listening to it all i kept thinking about i i heard a lot of boards of canada um influence thank you very uh, much Mark. big time and then uh but also just like a lot of a lot of stuff because i mean when i was a kid i would remember going to the malls and going to record stores in in cleveland where i grew up there was a the great northern mall i used to go there and they had a food court and in the food court they had a record store called record uh, record den and i used to mm -hmm. go in there and just you know, leaf through the, through the stuff, just looking for things. And, uh, you know, I was in probably middle school or yeah, probably middle school when, uh, nothing records, which was Trent Reznor's imprint started yeah, bringing, yeah. bringing all the warp stuff to the masses basically. And I remember like finding, you know, I think my first exposures were probably, uh, hard normal daddy. Mm. And Richard D. James album, mm -hmm. and then Aw Tecker came came after that, and all of those. I always tell people like, you know, my my whole thing. I was born in '82. I mean, I you know grew up in the '80s, but I mean, all of my all of my passion about making music came from listening to the Warp stuff, especially things like Square Pusher and things you know of that nature. Because I would be like, I understand what these instruments are. I know that's a bass guitar. I know that's a snare drum. Yeah, I, I don't understand how these things are happening the way they're happening though um you know they've been sequenced and edited and done and i always love the thing i loved about warp was that it was uh you know natural sounds made to sound unnatural you know yeah yeah that's one of the things i absolutely adore about richard d james or Aphex twin sure. is that i mean see if you um you guys like if you've written music for a while and you produce your own stuff um you are so unforgiving when you're mixing stuff because you're like yeah i want it to sound like this you've set up set a level for yourself so naturally yeah. if this is what you do for a hobby all the time whenever you listen to other music it's I, I don't know personally i find it a little bit difficult to like say i'll go and listen to some chemical brothers and the whole time i'm listening to it rather than actually getting caught up in it i'm like how are they doing that with the snare what eq <laughs> is that is that what compression ratio is on there um and for the for the most part i can kind of figure it out and then if i sat down i could recreate it the mm. thing that i love about richard d james is whenever i listen to his music i do not have a fucking clue what is going on from the get-go right. and right. i can just lose myself in blissful ignorance just being uh -huh. like oh there we go i don't know like from like you hear a 303 for a second and you're like i have no idea how he made it sound like that no. what's happening yeah. what, what, what time signature is this oh who gives a fuck it sounds great <laughs> um, no i mean and i think that's exactly i mean and that was the vibe i mean i think and you were talking earlier about nostalgia and how nostalgia you know there's a certain sort of clickbaity way of approaching nostalgia where it's yeah. like you know the delorean and blah 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 and all yeah. that crap but i think there's also like i have memories around records for sure i mean i mm. another one i was going to toss out there i don't know uh you know uh, future sounds of london like i felt oh, like yeah, i felt like i heard you know sort of the there's a certain level there's a layer of texture and atmosphere that exists in the yeah, future those sounds guys were like they were like wearing videotapes and shit for yeah. their production weren't they like well there's no sure, like, uh... there and i think that's part of like what makes 
making music interesting. I mean, we can all go on YouTube and watch all the tutorials and like mm -hmm. just make copies of copies of copies. But I think that mm -hmm. when you really start to crack the egg and look at the thing and go, okay, I understand that like anything is possible. I can do any, yeah. anything, you know? And when you start to realize that, I think it's, there's a catharsis that happens uh, as a creator. And I was curious about that with you. Like, you know, what are the records that you go back to? Because for me, whenever I'm creating, I think a lot about the records that were super meaningful to me and the space in which they were. I mean, I still, I, to this day, I, whenever I put on uh, Autechre's records, I think mm. about walking to school, you know, because I used to, oh. I had like a little disc man and I used to pop my little CD in there, put my headphones on and walk to school and listen to, you know, fucking pencil sharpener music. And my friends would be like, <laughs> what? Because we're all like punk rock, you know, like everybody. Yeah had a skateboard and like played guitars and kids garages and stuff, which I did all that shit too. But I was also mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, when, as soon as I found all that stuff, I just threw all that stuff away. Cause I was like, I want to know how this works. Like, how do you even do this? Yeah. I mean, that was, um, I think like I've, I've always been a huge music fan. Like since I, I'm talking about like, since, uh, I, before I could walk, I mean, my parents had a huge like, collective music taste. I mean, every day I would hear, uh, anything from like Vivaldi to then like the Prodigy. Like my dad was an old raven. Mum's basically like a hippie. It was an interesting combination, <laughs> but we got nice. a fuck ton of good music out of it. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I remember like I think I asked for a guitar because I really liked music. I asked for a guitar. Um, shock horror i couldn't play the guitar like Jimi <laughs> hendrix immediately so i thought yeah this is this sucks and threw it away and i thought right i'm, I'm never going to be a musician because I, I i don't i can't play this i can't do it can't hold my hand right blah 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 uh, i still loved listening to music i would occasionally like do like djs and compilation things for people but then i remember i heard boards of canada and i was just like oh this sounds this this sounds great like, i mean that understatement of the century there but i was like this sounds unbelievable <laughs> but then um i actually looked a little bit more into the production behind um boards of canada and i had no idea there was these sequences and drum machines and and samplers and you could set up things so they'd be triggered along to if you know the timing you can set it up to, to do the time you, you, can you think of the sound here are synthesizers that can make these sounds and i was like wow i don't need to have perfect time i don't need to have like um like classical ability uh, i don't like if i just spend enough time and work on this at my own pace at, with sequencing i can put it together and that blew my mind i had no idea that's how music was made i, I just assumed it was like, all the samples you were hearing i just assumed that they were being played and recorded i had no idea you could i mean and then that with hip-hop on top of that i mean jesus christ between boards of canada and jade Della, mm -hmm. my head was split <laughs> i was like this is unbelievable yeah but, um yeah man I, I had no idea you could make music that, that way at all and i'm so happy i found it <laughs> yeah it's it i find it matt and I, I think you you tied into something that's really interesting because matt and i are a similar age and it's the same mm. thing of listening to um the warp stuff and discovering warp for the first time and, the, and that the fact that like it brought it brings me exactly to that where I was saying before it reminds me the first time that I heard the nostalgia piece, mm. Apex Twin or Square Pusher for the mm. first time because I mm. grew up in the Midwest like Matt and you have a kind of certain this is what the music is, and then when Warp came over, 
It was like, mm. what the fuck is this? Yeah. And again, you don't have to have perfect pitch. You could craft and create these songs. And th- that's it's such a... The variety of noises as well. Like these yeah. strange other world, world... It's like whenever you hear about artists um, like... I don't know. Uh, back in the day, like seventies, eighties, when they get when they got a hold of like their first synthesizer, and they were just like, "This is the sound of space. This is the sound of the future." You hear all these possibilities. I feel that Warp just updated that for us, where it was like like these just like high frequency crunches and clicks brought together, but used as like drum fills, and just it it just blew my head open. Like a lot of it, it's like you're not even listening to it for for the melodic value. You're just listening to it for this this palette of sounds that's on display mm-hmm. uh, and and what holy shit like yeah uh i actually have two original uh pressings i have um square pushers beep street yeah um no not beep street sorry port rhombus yeah um, oh I nice have that on the original um you know the the purple warp sleeve yeah yep. i got an original pressing of that and then i also got lfo by lfo nice. uh, i got that as well and they're probably prize members of my collection i also got be fucking super rare one man um i I take you know obviously richard d james has a unbelievable amount of aliases and pseudonyms that he plays on the you ever heard of universal indicator yes yeah i've got universal indicator yellow and i have (laughs) no idea how i came across that or what i paid for it but i just i don't even play it i just look at it every now and again (laughs) just kind of nod at it approvingly like yeah yeah there is (laughs) i got i got this yeah, I remember. I feel like uh, nothing compiled, or maybe Warp had done it. I don't know. They compiled a bunch of EPs, and it became Big Loda, which was the release mm. in the states. And that was I had heard uh, Hard Normal Daddy, and then I got Big Loda, and I remember uh, Journey to Read 'Em. When I heard that track, I was just like, okay, I'm. That was like a huge one for me, as far as like, okay, I get that there's breaks and there's all this instrumentation and all these things are happening and it's hyper edited mm-hmm. and I just fell in love with it. I mean, I, I probably to this day, you could play that track and I could probably, I probably still know all the snare rushes by heart, <laughs> you know, cause I just wore that thing out. And I think, but I think that kind of goes back into what you were saying before about there's an element of nostalgia. I think from a, from the perspective of being a creative a mm-hmm. creator of things where all of that lineage adds up to whatever that experiential thing is that makes Memorex memories possible, you know? And I always say, I think it, I always point out to people, I'm like, you know, you could take, you could right now go sit in Boards of Canada's studio and you wouldn't make Boards of Canada's music. Yeah, you know, exactly. There's a certain sort of lineage that goes with a space and equipment and experience and influence you know, I always, for me, uh, you know, that music from that time is, you know, heavily influential to me. And mm. I always tell people, it's interesting because people will be like, oh, you know, you make synthwave music or whatever. So you must listen to a lot of synthwave. And I'm like, I don't know, not really. Like, I think that, um, you know, yeah, I, same, actually. I, yeah. I tend to sort of just trust, trust my gut and sort of make whatever thing is in line with what I'm feeling, you know, I, mm. you know, I was going to ask you is, you know, when you made at the point, I was kind of going through your band camp, mm. uh, when, when Eric reached out to me and was like, do you want to join? And I was thinking like, okay, I wasn't, I was familiar with your stuff, but not super familiar. And I kind of mm. went back and started listening to a lot of it. And I was curious, like, so with what, what was the first Memorex memories release 
where um, where you curated cur- curated it from start to finish. It wasn't just a collection of tracks. It was like I have an an idea. Oh, um, pictures of purple skies. Okay, that was when I actually had a theme and a, and a running idea. Um, so yeah, that that was the first one where I actually had a theme. And now, like um, for a long time, I just wrote singles. It was mm. just the idea. It's like get single out, put yeah. it out there. That is kind of what happened with in motion the beginning because i think away home and thanks for listening were already out at the time and then it was just right we can put them on there alongside the other stuff and it happened to work but with pictures of purple skies that was a thought out process like i actually wanted like to tell a full story with that hence why there's little intermissions on there there is interlinking sounds of like airplanes and landing and street sounds and all that and yeah some of that shit i even recorded on the street in barcelona like just as i was on there on holiday and stuff like just some of the ambient noises but um now i i, I don't think i could um in fact i know i cannot write music now without a theme sure um it's like if i just sit down at the keyboard and try and hit stuff i'm just going to get fed up and be like look this isn't worth it you try to force it i need to sit down with an actual idea a terrible head movie whatever (laughs) even like a title whatever going on and and work with that but um it's funny i was so i was listening to um purple skies and it it did you ever listen to ian pooley no, I don't think so. Okay, so there's this old like house guy who's sort of like a uh I don't know if he was part of French Touch mm. or what, but he had a record where it was like almost like cuz the thing I got from the thing I got from listening to Purple Skies was like it it made me think of it, you know, it was like a complete idea, but it was also like a journey. It's like a triptych, right? Like you're going through you're going from one space to the next and and it's about a journey that you took like you actually took mm. right yeah my my yeah. off there i'm making sure I'm no, right. no, that's exactly correct. <laughs> so yeah. i mean like i think uh and i think records like that are really tricky right it's tricky to because you're you you experienced it right you went and did the thing but then making an album that's going to convey that to somebody right yeah. that they're going to really understand that space. And I remember like when I, you know, starting out making records, I, one of the things that always terrified me about putting out a record that was a concept and I'm the same exact way as you, like once Mm -hmm. I did that for the first time, I could never not do that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I remember very distinctly like sitting down and saying, okay, I have this concept for a record. It's really heavy. And then having a lot of like apprehension or maybe just, I don't know what the right emotional context would be to call it, but like just a lot of fear about, is anybody going to get this, you know? Yeah. And well, I'll, I'll tell you another thing as well. Um, anyone who, who knows me will tell you that I, I, I've never really had a, a great deal of, let's say, national pride. I'm not exactly like, very patriotic. I've never really, n- never really been that type of person. But I'll tell you one thing, and that is over the past couple of years, particularly with In Motion 2, so we're talking very recently and mm-hmm. um, it has actually instilled a little bit of um god i don't even know if you want to say like local or like community pride and it's for all the wrong reasons right but <laughs> um i remember like I, I don't know like see if you if you if you listen to the sound associated with like synth wave chill synth and that kind of thing it's difficult to listen to a lot of it without thinking of like idyllic dusk sunsets you know you think mm. of like uh 
I don't know what they got a romanticized version of like say a Miami Beach or Venice exactly, Beach and yeah. all that, right? I mean, I'm I'm in the UK, obviously. Like you guys are from the US, you know that it's not this I- idyllic. Yeah, we just live in the sunshine and everything's perfect, stuff, dude. Reality, right? But naturally, like if you listen to that music, it's difficult not to kind of associate those two images. And I remember like it was. I always thought it was interesting because I'm writing music with that kind of feel. But my surroundings are like a working class, grey, rainy shithole. Like, and I mean, that's that's me. Uh, I wish I was being like hyperbolic there, but no, it's 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 a really like sort of working class area. It was, um, it had some notoriety. It had a legacy back in the time of the war because we had the shipyards, and then after that, it's just known for like fucking unemployment and knife crime so i remember you just kind of being like wow for a while it was like we need to escape i just need to think of something to get me out of this place like and uh so you could write some music and you could escape you could go to these idyllic uh, purple skies sit at these dusk beaches within your own head and then you know you could write this music but um i don't know like see that idea especially like i mean see if you listen to say established artists like um like hotel pools for example right mm. um i know he's based out in portland but obviously like he he has the palm tree you know that that's the logo yeah, yeah. that's that sound it's very sort of um i don't know they go idyllic american imagery but obviously he is on the west coast of america so that image isn't exactly too far he probably sees it a lot more than say myself or another artist like Odlin. but i just find it interesting that we we're at one point we were all trying to like uh similar scene similar vibe but one half of us was nearer and the other half it was almost like we were trying to simulate it and i just find it quite interesting that even if you listen to myself or Odlin, there's still that like tinge of gray mediocrity there's something you can't go full out like this is sunburst it's like you can kind of feel that little bit of i don't want to say darkness because that sounds pretentious but you can kind of feel just that little bit of almost the concrete aspect of it and that was um i don't know when i was writing in motion two that time like see just i just had thoughts of like the motorway like and i think i actually touched on this a little bit in that video where i was just like the the idea that i started to play with was this whole area all the families that live in this area at one day will probably not be in the same houses some of these housing blocks may be knocked down it could become uh, a new housing block it could be gentrified it could just become like flat ground it could become an, an industrial complex you know someday this could all disappear but the one thing that will always remain amongst that is the motorway or the highway, right? Mm-hmm. That will always be the main vein through there because people always have to get to where they're going. They may rip down all these monuments of the past, these fancy old buildings, these like uh, World War uh, docklands, but they'll never remove that motorway. And I just love that idea that in some way it's like, do you ever mm-hmm. see those pictures online where it'll be like, a destroyed car and a field and a tree has grown like right through it it's mm-hmm. like nature's overcome it it just kind of felt like that was like the industrial like tree growing through it the, no matter how that surrounding is going to change that motorway is always going to be there and then that just kind of i don't know it took me back to when you hear gary newman for example in the 80s talking about um how he was obsessed with like um like uh, lovecraft and those yeah. kind of books or I, I isn't isn't lovecraft but um can't remember the artist uh, the the 
author rather but he wrote things like clockwork orange and high rise oh yeah, just yeah. Like, um thinking of that like near dystopian future like that's what and it just kind of felt like for once i had it was like oh shit right this isn't thatcher's era britain this isn't that i don't have any of that but what i do have now is this it just felt like i finally managed to bite my teeth into like this is my modern dystopia and it just felt really cool um but i think yeah i I, no i totally totally love all that because i think that like the thing I think that a lot of people miss when you start talking about this sort of synth scene, you kind of, I, I always look at it like it's an onion, you know, and you're peeling layers. And I think that mm. when you go down maybe two or three layers and yeah, you get to like the eighties and trapper keepers and slap bracelets and all that yeah. bullshit. But mm. if you keep going a little bit further, you look at uh, how American culture affected American entertainment culture affected through the world throughout the 1980s and Mm. the thing that always strikes me about it is that a lot of that was escapism just like you're saying like you look at the 80s and it's like in america there was a ton of shit that was awful it was like Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. reaganomics stock market was crashing the aids crisis um uh and then you know elsewhere in the world the berlin wall you have like all these things that are serious things and i feel like if you look at that that decade of art and film and music so much of it was forward leaning because they were trying like literally it's fantasy. I mean, you're, you're trying to escape forward to getting out. All exactly. Of it. And I think that a lot of that, you know, there's an, there's an influence. I think what makes the music that you make so resonant in that way is that you're clearly uh, a, a byproduct of that thinking rather than a byproduct of some cool image that you saw on Tumblr. It's like, yeah. it's, it, there's a, there's an emotional through line that exists there that means your music's only possible if you're emotionally channeling that through it. So, yeah, yeah, and I I think like, you know, as I went through and started listening to a lot of your stuff, like that was the feeling that I got was like that your your emotional experience is all over that, the music that you put out. And it makes it that much more genuine, you know? Well, you know, I I cannot tell you how much like that means to actually hear that because I mean, you'll know yourself when you're writing music as well. They're all the things that you just hope that you can convey. And especially when you're working on instrumental music. I mean, I I know it's, it's difficult when even if you're writing music that does have lyrics and all that, I mean, it's up to the the talent of the vocalist to express it, to get that feeling across. But it's particular when you're writing instrumental music, you're like, you know, the reason you're writing this you know what you're putting into that sound but you just hope that it will translate to someone else that listens to it and when it does man that is a special feeling like uh i I love reading messages from people and just hearing like uh, what they think of my music or what it what it's meant to their day or if it's just lifted spirits even if it is just that minute i I live for that shit so um it's because it's it's a great triumph well, I think it's because in that moment, the music's not really yours anymore, right? Like, yeah. because I have similar experiences, like where people come up and say, oh, this record really meant a lot to me because it got me through this tough time. And mm. it's like, in a way, in that music that they're talking about, that they're referencing, it may be something that was me processing a tough time in my life. I had to make that music because I literally had to. Mm. And then for them to respond to it, that resonance, you know, that's a bell that will ring forever. And mm. it's great because I, it kind of, leaves me you know it kind of goes off of my shoulders and now it's it's with them now and i'm and it's it's there's catharsis there like i think it's really it's a powerful uh 
it's a powerful process that I feel super lucky to be a part of, right? To just be able to make music and process stuff through it. And then for that to resonate for somebody else is amazing. Just like you said. It's a fantastic outlet. It's the only outlet that I've ever known, like never been a sports guy, never known this. And I'm just so, I I think personally, it's the best medium. Uh, I do love films. Do love like the odd bit of television, but music has always been my go-to. Like I, I just love putting on a record and just actually just getting caught up in it. But funnily enough, I think it's quite quite funny as well. Like um, uh, I don't know if it's because that's the way that I started listening to music, or that's maybe when I started fully appreciating music was through headphones. That I'm actually not someone that likes to listen to music super loud. Uh, I, I'm actually not even, it's going to be controversial, but I mean, it's true. Um, I've n- never actually been the biggest fan of live shows, but I just think it's like, you go there, it's like, it's so loud. And it's just like, if he was like, oh my God, I'm on the spot. Do, do I have to like, do the, do I have to show the people that I'm having a good time. Like, oh, and you're just like, when really, uh, I just kind of like, like sitting in, in my room, you know, comfortable, got my headphones on and you can just kind of close your eyes and just go with it and really lean into it. But yeah. Like, um, <laughs> yeah i don't know I, I but i suppose that that's probably why i make the music that i'm making i'm not making like slamming edm you know like, just because it's like yes we're having a good fucking time yeah ooh, ooh, and you're like no i, I don't i don't want i'm not that person <laughs> well i think like going back to like talking about mental health i think there's a lot of people in that in the edm world that are not they're making music that is primed right right it's like a primer for social uh exposure mm. and then you hear stories about people that are just absolutely at the bottom of the barrel mentally mm. you know and i think that there's a lot of uh there's a lot of space you know that that doesn't get explored and so i think that's what's but really interesting about this whole you know the ability to channel yourself through your work uh and to be uh, present within it, but also to be just hyper honest uh, is it's an incredible gift, you know, and and I think it's cool that you it's something that you've felt, I don't know, comfort doing. Does it do you have anxiety about that or is it is it just now? Is it like that's just the only way you can be? Um, well, I mean, I, I, I certainly don't think that the word uh, confidence or like, yeah, I, I, that's certainly nothing that I would associate with myself. I think I'm always going to have that worry. As yeah. I said, that absolute imposter syndrome where you're like, oh my God, when am I going to be exposed? When am I going to be found out? And I'm going to be like, yeah, we knew he was he was shit the whole time. I mean, that that, that, will, that will never really leave me. But um, I will say, uh, particularly over the past a year, maybe a couple of months, it's something that I, I just feel like my passion for it's just grown. All the more, which is something that I, I never thought. Um, I, I didn't think it could, could deepen anymore, but it's just that we see particularly now that I'm self-employed and this, this is um, how I earn my living. And then I think about like back to when I was in those shitty entry-level jobs and you were made out to be a statistic and you were like just made to be like, oh, you're not essential. If you don't do the job and you're shit at it, we'll replace you tomorrow. And then you've, like, so when you think about that and you're like, oh, wow, now this is something that I really, really care about, love more than anything on this planet's music. I, I can now like pour in like that energy into something that I love 
it's like you're no longer going to the day job now it's like right you've you've worked fucking you've worked hard and now you're here and you can support yourself and you're like why not get more passionate about it so i mean whether that be little things like how you how you do your promotional material what visual aesthetic do you want like how you want things put out like making a schedule for yourself like uh, actually waking up early in the morning to go in and work on music for this amount of time stop you've got your breaks not it's like look at it like and and now i'm just like i, I could not be happier like um i think for the, the last job that i had i was um a collections agent for lloyd's bank um which was basically like you call up people who are unfortunately behind on the mortgage and harass them to pay it and it was absolutely soul destroying uh but when i was doing that i think i was making like the best part of like three thousand per month or something but i literally had like six days a week dedicated to 12 hour shifts one day to actually spend time with all my family maintain a relationship and actually give my and, and it was mostly spent crying and drinking so you like see to go from that to now um they go i, I think I'm making probably say on a good month, I'll make about 1200 a month. And I mean, I've had to make cutbacks uh, for bills and all that, but that may be a substantial pay cut, but I have never been fucking happier in my life. Like the, the money, the money is only real to a certain degree. It's like, yeah, I, on paper, I had all these luxuries, but mentally I couldn't spend it. The check that I mentally could not spend, like, you know, so even though I'm taking this cut, like I have, I've never been happier. And that's like something that I always try to tell people as well. Like, uh, I do genuinely mean it when I'm like, I would not be doing this had you guys not just decided to, to listen to me or share it or do whatever it is you do, man. So something that I, I'll never take for granted. <laughs> it's gotta be strange for the both of you. Um, there's this thing where you, you make music cause you have to, you're driven to do it. And you put it out there and you're like, eh, maybe it'll, you know, we'll just see what happens. And to both of you being at a point where you make a living and people talk to you about it, um, it's got to be this weird feeling of like validation, but like, like it, it's got to improve your confidence, obviously, like you're doing something right because you make enough money to, to make a living. Um, does, how does that affect your creative process? Does it, I mean, being able to be a professional musician um how does that affect your process matt i know that you do um you know scores and working on a lot of other projects um mm. but like your truly creative projects where it's it's you expressing yourself and it's almost you know now it's not gonna be for you you talked about when you release something mm. it goes into the world and it's no longer yours it's everybody else's and you know that now and you know that there's gonna be a certain level of reaction to whatever you guys put out would you like to go first on that matt <laughs> no you you go ahead hold on um well i, I don't I, it's gonna sound so stupid almost like i'm trying to be humble here but to be honest man i just uh i think because for the longest time um it was a very personal thing like i, I still put in the same amount of effort writing music back when i had like two followers uh and no one knew i existed under a different alias uh i put in just as much effort at that time because I, I to some degree i'm not in fact yeah to be honest um i may sound like a dick but it's i've always written music for myself it's always been for me it's like if i think it sounds good then i've written it for me i, I never wanted like bend for anyone else and make it for them so the fact that it's like yeah oh my god the the, the fact that 
it, it still really hasn't set in that I get paid for this. <laughs> um, really, like I don't know how I got to this point. I know I've I, I will say I've gotten a little bit better recently at being like right bro you put 10 years into working towards this and you've done a lot of work and you've done it around terrible office jobs and around uh, balancing your life so it's like right maybe give yourself some credit i'm getting a little bit better at that it's like right you you might actually be okay at this that might surprise you right you know like you'd think that would have set in do you know um maybe before you started you got signed to an indie label and that kind of thing you would hope that that was but um so right now, no man, I'm uh, I just like to stick to my schedule, write music the same way that I would, and uh, particularly with In Motion too. Again, um, put out what I want to put out as opposed to like I would rather write something that I'm that I personally am proud of than bend to fit it into a genre or a subgenre in an attempt to get more plays out of it. Yeah, you know, because I feel like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, you can write singles to do that shit. You can do that if you want, but um, I don't know. I, I personally just like I, I want to keep putting out something fresh, man. I want to be an electronic artist. Like, it's not like I'm happy getting the money for it. But as I said, like when we first started this conversation, um, I my pipe dream, all of this is to one day be some days at someone's boards of Canada. But someone to actually look at and be like, um, you know, that way you can listen to something. You'll be, oh man, that kind of sounds like calm truths. Oh, that kind of sounds like this artist that these established. It would be cool to at one point just for at least one fucking time, just be like, oh yeah, that sounds like Memorex. You know, <laughs> that is that's the end goal. So I feel that if I keep putting out the same thing, same style, not venturing from that, you're not going to invade deck, man. So yeah. I, I mean, I think people are probably already doing that. I think it's probably safe to say. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, just piggybacking off what, what you're saying, like, I think that uh, it's, it doesn't change anything. And I, I venture that I would guess, it's funny, the more that you talk, the more I'm like, we might be the same person. But I think that, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I devoted a ton of time from those early days of, like, listening to Square Pusher and, all that kind of stuff. And I had no money, uh, you know, and my parents certainly were not going to drop money for me to buy drum machines and synthesizers and stuff. So, I mean, I had a, I had a PC and I downloaded a impulse tracker. I was using a tracker. That's how I learned to make music. And I, X craft five, a demo version. (laughs) I mean, it's, it it was free and you could, and and it had a kind of a community. And so I just started trying to figure out, I knew that I could, program things quickly in it um and that's what i was after because i was you know trying to figure out this whole warp thing and so i think for me i always just kept my head down even when i went to school for music it was like i knew a lot of people who were in school with me who were had grand ambitions but then would just sit around and smoke weed all day and not do anything and yeah, i was victim to that for a long time sure but i mean like <laughs> I, mean, a, yeah. I mean you know taking the weed out of the equation even then i think that there's a certain uh, level of drive that has to happen you know yeah man because i mean like if you if you sit around and just keep saying that oh yeah i'm gonna do something like <sighs> Yeah, well, it's, like the, it's like the 10,000 hours argument, right? For mastering. Yeah, like, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people think that that becoming good at something is a straight line, that that's the trajectory, yeah. which is 
not true really it's more like a stair step you know and you you have a breakthrough and then you plateau and i think a lot of people plateau and they just die because yeah, a lot like, of people fall victim to the like, whole so why even try you know mm -hmm. i'm not good at it so why mm -hmm. keep trying yeah. when i mean i think and you've probably done the same as well but i don't know how many people you've told uh where you're just like you 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 have to you have to have a passion for it and i know that's a bit of a buzzword a bit of a, like instagram fucking self-help you know <laughs> bicep on the poster fucking clapping emoji whatever you want to say i know that that word is thrown around a lot but legitimately like i, I know it'll be the case for you if you tomorrow were like yeah i'm gonna quit i'm not gonna do this again you physically wouldn't be able to stop because yeah. this is your outlet this is your hobby you'll end up back in the studio working on some sounds yeah. like physically you could not quit if you wanted to it's this it's your drug it's your whatever fucking buzzword you want to put on it <laughs> you know well, it's like a strange i mean it's a strange thing too like it's a a lot of times you're sitting in a room full of you know blinking lights and wires and shit and i think that a that lot of times fantastic <laughs> <laughs> no but i'm saying like a lot of times all that space is designed in such a way that it's like a, you know when i sit down and i make music it's almost it's less about oh i'm sitting down i have this formed idea of like what i want to do sometimes that exists mm -hmm. but most of the time i would say it's more like it's a conversation you know you sit yeah. down and you kind of go through and you hear some sounds or something something stimulates the whole thing and then it happens but the whole experience is more like a handshake than it is like a like a dictatorship it's not like i sit down and i'm like mm -hmm. i want this here and this here and then i've seen producers talk about oh you know this is what i did and this is why i did it and blah 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 blah. and i'm like i, mm. I wish i had that acumen i don't <laughs> i mean i for me everything feels very accidental most of the time but i also just trust my gut and just do what i think feels right for me you know it, it's so funny you should say that actually um because i got a message the um on instagram from a fan uh, it was maybe like a week or two ago and i mean uh, fair fair enough right because i mean it's my most popular track right it's curious alice it's the one that everyone knows mm -hmm. uh but like, i just love it because obviously like, i mean the guy's a talented producer he was from at least what i saw but he messaged me and he was just like he was asking for you know like tips he's like how did you make this lead sound and like what ratio did you use on this and what synthesizer was that and what was your cut off and right and it was just like see try to like <laughs> breaking the illusion of being this talented um fucking i don't know all you said i have no idea oh no i was just like <laughs> that track was actually written i shit you not in the corner of a room with the light off the laptop was on a step ladder because i'd just been painting um and i made all of the chords by you know actually like the physical keyboard on the laptop is in the qwerty keyboard yeah I used musical typing for that to write yeah. the chords <laughs> oh, wow. um, and uh, put it all together in what must have been about eight hours in a darkened room in the corner. And I was like, uh, and they were, oh man, what synth? Was that, was that serum? Was that serum, bro? And I was like, yeah. it was actually a VST that I stole about 12 years ago from the <laughs> free copy of Mixcraft 5 that I downloaded. Yeah. I noticed that the VST library was unprotected, so I, I have just dragged it and I've kept it. It's called um, Messiah. It's like Memory Moon Messiah. <laughs> um, that, yeah. that VST file was unguarded, and that is what I still use today on for a lot of my cards is that and <laughs> it was just see almost like I, I felt bad because i kind of done myself a disservice by saying this information because hey there tpa listeners eric here 
Sorry for interrupting, but this is the part where we do some shameless self-promotion. And we'd like to give our sincere thanks for listening to the show. And we are just as surprised as you are for listening. But since you're here, we'd like to highly encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, for all things The Paradise Arcade, you can also visit us on theparadisearcade.com. Please like, share, and review our episodes. We like interacting with you. We like to hear your feedback. What's your favorite part of the interview? What you thought was interesting? Who we should get on the show next? Those are all important things that we'd like to hear. And the last thing, if you really like the show and you want more and you want to contribute, you could do something for us. You could find us on Patreon. You can contribute as little or as much as you want. On Patreon, you'll find some exclusive content that we will continue to update. Mostly, we just want to say thanks for listening. We appreciate you. So let's get back to it. I mean, there you go. You've got a brand that you want to think of. You want to come across a little bit cool. You know, that way, like, a little bit mysteriously. Oh, yeah. You know, these complex, uh, diminished nine, minor color. <laughs> and instead, I'm just, like, you just kind of seen the, the reality dawn upon this poor fellow as he's just like, this strange bearded man from the internet <laughs> wrote this in the corner of a darkened room in Paisley on a step ladder <laughs> was it a good. was it a wooden ladder or an it was ladder? yeah and i actually wow. got a splinter from it <laughs> <laughs> uh it reminds me uh com true's actually uh he was talking about galactic melt and uh, mm. how he made it and he very similar he was using an old version of reason doing all these weird things not really knowing what he was doing per se mm. to the point yeah. where he couldn't make that same record today it's physically impossible it was just a product of its time who he was and it sounds like very similar for both of you guys you sit down you have the conversation with the music the sounds and it and and then it just happens i mean it, obviously it's more to that but you develop this idea and it and it, it develops but it's not mm. this predetermined well I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and it's going to be in this key, and then I'm going to have this transition here, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, you just feel it, yeah. You feel yeah. it. Um, and I think that's a really interesting... There, that's a, there's a difference between commercial art, um, which is much more overly produced and, and creative art, I mean, musically. Um, and I think people that lean into that, who they are, that's you get these interesting sounds these different things because you can't if you just let yourself produce the music you can't help it it's a summation of everything that came before you so with you sean growing up where you did with the sounds that you grew up with with the community that you grew up in it you're not forcing it it just is and so it comes out in a particular way and same with you matt where it it comes out as it is and obviously the both of you have developed acumen over time and develops more skills and understanding but maybe the process is probably fundamentally the same sitting down having that conversation is it on on the note um of what you just said there like i've had the uh, the privilege of speaking with um seth uh, sorry with um Comtrues, uh very lightly like over message like maybe once or twice but even then it was it was still an honor and that but um basically like Comtrues obviously a huge influence on myself um i actually distinctly remember seeing him in london and uh, my friend uh, one of my best friends don um, he is a huge huge fan of Comtrues. introduced me to him and then he said he was going to london to see him i came along uh and the man 
blew my mind for about an hour um and i was once again one of these moments i was like holy shit i never knew these sounds existed and then i was just like that's also what i want to do but anyway uh managed to to speak with them and i sent them a message basically saying that um, it was actually my friend dan that got me in to your music uh and it was in decay uh that was the album that i heard and uh i was basically telling them it was when in decay 2 came out and i was like oh what me and my friend Dan were having a couple of beers and we're listening to it and i was like and he's basically the reason uh, why i know you sort of thing and we actually got to talk a little bit about the production of that album and if i couldn't be any more impressed he done and matt i know you will be like wow because this is a feat <laughs> right amongst producers and we don't talk about this but this is an impressive one for indicay too i was like is this all fresh material or is this stuff that you wrote at the time of indicay and uh, you went back and touched it up and he was like i went back and touched it up and i was like i personally find going back to old stuff that you made you've you've progressed so much naturally with your your mixing production te techniques if you try and clean it up you realize that you have like four very basic elements running when you take all the saturation everything off you you've not got a track so i was like you went back to tracks you didn't finish and then mixed it up to the standard of the first album he was like yeah but the humanity was expressed immediately when he said i will never do it again it was so hard and i was like well you know what i mean if you're saying that i was like oh, jesus i've tried to do that so many times i cannot do it so the fact that guy made an album well done man <laughs> yeah so i think it's interesting we bring him up and i think there's a through line between the three of you um you know seth gets thrown into the synthwave thing as one of the originators but i think yeah everything that he does is is purely him himself he's never oh, tried yeah. to chase <laughs> yeah, i don't think any of you guys have ever tried to chase a particular aesthetic and scheme um and i think that's very apparent you know seth's music has really uh evolved matt so of you you've really really um evolved and changed and experimented and obviously with you sean the variations of what you're doing and i think for the long run of, of expression, that integrity and that sticking true to yourself is one of the things that allows people to say, that sounds like a Memorex song that, you know, that that's a thing. Cause you could play in different musical frames of mind, but it's still you, there's still elements of who you are, no matter where you're playing. Mm. Um, I think, I think it's a good discipline. I think that there's a, there's an element of, I know lots of people who are really good at one thing, right? And, but they're not, they feel static. If they stay on that one thing, they're stagnant. So they have other disciplines yep. that they kind of chase after. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really crucial uh, in a creative field because, and that's one of the things I really like. That's one of the reasons that, you know, I got into scoring and I love scoring because it's a collaborative thing, which me, you know, all the music I put out is just me. And so the idea of having to collaborate with somebody is really interesting. It's always Scoring a, is something that I would love to do myself. It's, it's a, it's a great, um, it's an exercise because you learn to deal with people, uh, good people and bad people. And, mm -hmm. but also it's, it's great because I can jump into that water and swim there for a minute, but then I can get out and go do something else. And I love it cause it, it always changes and all it's always evolving and, and um, you know, in, in the same way, you know, you talk about with reverence, uh, Comtrues and his, uh, you know, Mark and the things that he's, he's done within the genre. Like, you know, I don't know that I would have been 
scoring anything if it weren't for for the guys in survive doing stranger things you know i think a, mm-hmm. a lot of people it opened up the doors to oh synthesizers can be on a soundtrack that's cool we can do that again so like it just <laughs> everybody was all hot to try to get synths in in the room again and i think that you know from a from a creative standpoint i'm grateful for that because it means that uh i it never gets stale you know it never gets old um and uh, and it gives you space to grow and challenge yourself just like you were saying like not going back and touching up an old thing but mm-hmm. maybe and that's why i'm kind of in awe of the whole in motion package because it's like you know the idea that you went back and wrote a a companion right is uh pretty awesome you know it's uh, i'm just really excited to drop this one in particular just because um when we put out the vinyl Mm-hmm. It's going to be for the first time because um, In Motion was my first project that Midwest Collective basically they they gave me my shot and they mm-hmm. were like, well, we'll put out fifty cassettes and see how they do, and they done pretty well, and it's never been re released physically since. Um, but this is going to be the first time the first In Motion is going to be on record, but Side Two is In Motion too, so the vinyl is going to be both of them, and the thing that i'm just excited for people to hear is as you said i like to look at it uh, as a journey and it did feel like there was this element of catharsis when i finished in motion 2 when i think that the last track on in motion 1 is thanks for listening and then the first track on in motion 2 is going to be called compact disc but right then see you can immediately hear um all of the work that i've been putting into to improve my production mixing and mastering just right off the bat as soon as it starts you're like whoa holy shit there's there's <laughs> like there's like four years they go look it's louder it sounds better it's just there's so much more treble clarity better panning techniques all of it and i'm just excited kind of for people to hear that but there's also that um great anxiety that people will uh, put on the first track and be like what the fuck is this and then flip it back to save <laughs> one <laughs> uh, i I'm... highly doubt that that's going to be the reaction yeah <laughs> doubtful but i mean by then you already have their money so it's, all, it's <laughs> yeah irrelevant that's really. the key yeah how did you so this in motion thing that's coming out on stratford uh yeah be coming out uh the 25th how, how did stratford. you get hooked into those guys oh man um i think it was drew well andrew at stratford mm-hmm. and yeah. he approached me when god i think it might have been pictures of purple no i tell a lie it was a way home um and he wanted to put that on the stratford uh, secret selection okay and that was the first time that i'd worked with them um and it was really exciting and then afterwards midwest gave me the uh opportunity to put out my cassettes for emotion one and then i started working on uh, pictures of purple skies took a while to get around to that but when i started working um drew just said basically like would you like to give us a try and release that with us and i was like yeah i, I would be honored man because a lot of the artists that I, I listen to in the scene um i know they go through stratford and to some degree like i think um stratford followed by like eyewitness or maybe like two of the biggest in, involved with all these kind of um yeah. like the the sort of indie wave scene um but then it was also just like i mean um another thing that i'll be eternally grateful for is just the fact that um drew saw a very small track record that i had and then gave me the opportunity to um put out a record and as that was the first time i i, I was like I, I just i mean it's still crazy whenever i 
find out that my music's going to be on record that still blows me up but at that time i was are you are you kidding like i didn't think they would go anywhere and then he just gave me like nothing but confidence and everything put it out and it sold out and it just blew my mind but yeah it was just just from that man i've always kind of been in contact but then i mean i think what well, i think i've had a verbal agreement with the guy i mean mm-hmm. I, I, but i just like he's been nothing but kind to me giving me nothing but uh flexibility um every now and again like he want to try something out with a label i'm happy to guinea pig it if he's trying to do something with like advertising or anything i'm always happy to like give it a go yeah. you know it's just it's a it's a really good environment and I've, he's a great guy i've found over time and i'm sure eric can attest this too like you know uh anytime i've ever worked with a label and i've been lucky like i haven't had i haven't really had bad label experiences but mm. And I've released on a handful of labels, but I feel like the labels that have always been the most, uh, just the best collaborative uh, experience for me are the ones where the the person who's running the show, just their attitude is like, I just want to put out music that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? It's like a real, um, and I've had, I've been fortunate. I've released on some larger labels too, but like, I think the smaller guys that are just, you know, it's all elbow grease and there's packing everything up and shipping it themselves and it's just a labor of love there's zero substitute for that like those Mm -hmm. guys are just uh a dime a dozen and uh you know uh it it, when you when it comes to dealing with like larger labels and things like that you just don't encounter that and so i you know i was just curious about stratford and and uh you know how you came in came in to find those guys you said it's just stratford and midwest those are the two that you've released through um yep uh stratford midwest um yeah i I think um the only other physical releases i've done has been um whenever i play shows over here in the uk like in Mm. my city or uh, edinburgh um it goes through it's just my friend he's got like a it's not even really so much a label as it's just like um a collection of people and um, he, he puts out little compilation tapes little limited runs of that and he also does like uh, a selection of shows around the city to kind of uh, to go along with that but he put out uh, a compilation tape and i was on those uh, which i'm always happy to do man hmm. uh, i'm so so like i have like my fingers and toes crossed <laughs> that finally this will be my year to come stateside man that I cannot believe uh, yeah. that it was cancelled. But and the the most infuriating thing about it was that uh, the reason I couldn't come over was just because of the travel ban, purely from the UK to the US. US to the UK, that's fine. But the other way around. But then, it's so my f- crazy. First show was supposed to be on the thirty first of October, mm-hmm. and then on November fucking first, the travel ban was lifted. I was so gutted, man. <laughs> so gutted. It was because you were going to play with us, so yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so that that was really that was hard, and you know, Chaz, who's the guy that was helping orchestrate uh, mm-hmm. you coming over and doing that stuff. I, you know, we were we were sweating for a long time and hoping that everything was going to work out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that was a that was a mad scramble to to trying to adjust for that. So it was really disappointing. Hopefully, again, you'll come over this year, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Chaz will be. Uh, part of that again um 
And it was quite curious because I think I was, I was speaking with him and he actually said potentially this time there'll be a lot more dates as well, which would be cool. So if we're coming over, we actually... Because, I mean, right now I have confirmation. I can fly. I have my visa already set up from last time. Uh, I even went as far as to call... God, I don't even know. Uh, is it like Homeland Security or whatever? <laughs> yeah, call it. But call them and they were like, yeah, we can confirm you can fly over. I was like, excellent, good. I just have Gonna to make it, it and hopefully the... Fucking Omega virus doesn't pop up, man. A variant. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to loop back around to uh, Stratford. Um, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to, mostly I wanted to say that I think, like, that's a perfect label for you to be on. Because I really like what Andrew, how Andrew curates his artists on that label. Mm-hmm. And it, because again, he doesn't seem to be so focused on the wave aspect of whatever artist is on it you know he just yeah. he has this thing he has his artists and they are what they are um and i think you fit really well into that menagerie of of eclectic different sounding artists that that all sound very different from each other and you know you've got a lot of artists you know especially in, if you're talking purely synth wave that are mm. there's a through line that they're all very similar and mm-hmm. i like the fact that i can i could listen to something on stratford and it's going to be a really good, unique experience. Um, that's not gimmicky. You know, it's not the the vector grid with the exactly. sun in the background, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. the fucking palm tree yeah. and the DeLorean and all that bullshit. Like, um, I think it's purely about the music, electronic music. And yeah, there, the Venn diagram is okay. It sure it fits into some retro thing or chill or mm-hmm. whatever that is. But that I don't think is the main focus with that label, which I really like. Um, yeah because i mean like there's there's hidden gems on stratford as well man and i actually feel i feel like a dick for even saying hidden gems because he shouldn't be and in my opinion i think he's the best artist on that label and and i include myself in that and that secret attraction i think that guy is absolutely incredible man like all the music he puts out i just think is truly special and i do think it is a shame where it's just like there is a lot more focus on like uh, say the the wave or what wave genres uh, the micro genres whatever you want to call them uh, that an artist like that can be overlooked but um and even then i i i, I think it's more uh, when not if with secret attraction like that that dude is is far too talented man i listen to his stuff all the time and um i think a, a lot of people would be quick to compare him to like um black marble uh, the group that's uh, mm-hmm. signed to, to Ghostly. Um, I think a lot of people would be quick to compare him to that. But personally, when I listen to it, man, I hear a ton of like new order. Um, I just hear like there's just so much in there. Um, but yeah, that, that was also like a, a super plug for him. If you haven't listened to him, <laughs> go listen to him. Listen to all of it. And I'm sure he's got a new P, uh, EP coming out soon, LP rather, that I'm literally counting down for. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, I mean, it's it's an exciting time, I think, um, to be in this particular independent music thing. So what I've noticed is that, you know, people sort of put their hitch on Synthwave because um, even though the fan base is really small, they're extremely passionate. They're going to buy your vinyl. They're going to go to your shows. They're going to follow you rigorously on social media. But mm. that fan base is really small. And I think now there's labels like Stratford and Eyewitness and some of these other labels that are expanding beyond what music can be and reminding me a bit of like what warp did or whatever it is, where it's, um, it's really about 
innovators within a, a particular maybe discipline of electronic music or whatever that are doing mm. interesting things. And I think now there's more space for it. And I, I'm so happy that, and Matt, you've been around forever, so you don't really fit into that, but you know, that you're not <laughs> stuck into, you know, this, this one thing. Cause I could, I could see you being on a, re- a label like warp or ghostly. Like I think you would fit just as well. Into my my like heart that. just palpitated when you said that. <laughs> I mean, Matt, you can't disagree with me on that. No, I no, like I it's... think that's. I think it's fair because I think, I mean, I, I always look at it and I see it's it's an analog. You know, like uh, what late what the smaller labels are doing now, like Stratford, are, is very similar to what Ghostly and Warp sort of. I mean, it's a curated experience for a label where they're trying to do things that are innovative. But there's also like a, you know, the guys who ran, who run Warp and the guys who run uh, Ghostly are are also first and foremost fans of music and are just trying to release stuff that they like. And I think, uh, you know, it's, I I always think about the the wave genres and I think the the goal always has to be that you're, um, you know, you can be a part of those genres, but it's you're not making the music because of those genres, you know? Good point. Mm. And I think a lot of times the the impulse that I return to more often than not is to sort of shy away from the traditional, uh, you know, especially when it comes to like, okay, I made an album and I have to come up with track titles, which is the fucking worst thing in the world to have to do. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then it's like, okay, the artwork and what are we going to do? What's the album cover going to be? And blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I whatever it is, I don't want it to be a DeLorean. I don't want it to be a, you know, X, Y, Z. I I want it to be, it needs to be personal to the project, but I'm like more inclined to, to shy away from the, the sort man, of it, you, isms of the genre, you know? Absolutely nailed it, man. Like that yeah. was a, uh, I, I was very fortunate to work with them on my last sort of mini EP lost and um, the pure yeah. tragic mini EP that was anyway. But, uh, but, uh, it was an artist by the name of uh, Ben Jones. Um, he's known, well, he's on Instagram, so he handles uh, Visual Dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, I always loved his work, and then I got, I was very fortunate to work with him, but I, immediately as soon as I announced in Motion 2, I knew I wanted him back on board. And uh, I think, well, maybe last week or something, we, we finally were able to like unveil the album art, and I just love what he's done with it. It's so minimal. It's not anything that you would see... Um, like they, as you said, it's not the DeLorean, it's not the grid, it's not Tron, it's not none of this. Yeah. Uh, but it just has, like, I just feel that he has been absolutely essential and integral and in kind of putting, um, I, I don't know, like, see everything we were talking about earlier about how gray and concrete and industrial my area is. He seems to have done that perfectly in a way, even with the, the, uh, like the sort of poster that he's included in the middle of it, the the records, the whole aesthetic. I could not be happier with that. But mm. um, yeah, I, I didn't want like the the gradients. I didn't want any of that because it's not it's not a gradient album. It's actually very cold. It's very glitchy. Like for me, one of the things I actually wanted to express in this EP was uh, you know everyone has this like uh, nostalgic. Uh, romanticism for cassettes I mean yeah, rightfully yeah. so my name is literally fucking Memorex Memories I can't say <laughs> shit right I mean I have that I'll admit it but I wanted to try and uh, almost kind of create well everyone loves the, the the wow the flutter 
the wobbliness of the tape, the hiss. Everyone loves these elements, the warmth. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it would be quite cool to um, add in the element of a compact disc, a CD. Like, see all the, the glitching. Sometimes you've got a scratched CD and it will jump. And, like, just add in those elements. Like, take all this, like... Uh, nostalgic package and then basically feed it through a blender like so it will just occasionally scratch and jump and go back like i kind of wanted to your, I don't your, know, a, your apex like... twin is showing yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> i was just yeah, gonna say doesn't didn't pilot priest do that too <laughs> <laughs> no i remember there was a what it's uh what's the guy caribou yeah. Back yeah. before he was Caribou, yet he released records as Manitoba. And I feel like one of the early Manitoba records at the end of the album, it's like this just cacophony of sounds. Mm-hmm. And then it's the CD sounds like a CD skipping, like it starts glitching out and then it just stops. And that's mm-hmm. the end of the record. And I always thought that was really beautiful. I mean, I always, I always approach music, and I think this is largely a holdover from growing up listening to IDM and Warp. Mm-hmm. I personally like music that feels like it's falling apart. I think yeah. there's beauty in that. You know, mm-hmm. I think that there's, uh, especially when you're dealing with machines, because machines are so by nature designed to do what they're told. So it's like you, the the idea, I mean, part of the reason I got into modular was that like, you know. Yeah, I keep looking at that and salivating from time to time. Don't do it. It's thing. not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> I think it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it's I'm, worth it. I'm lying to you, but like it's, I always tell people it's a cautionary tale. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, no, but like the thing about modular that I love is like it's it's uh it's so open ended and it's so re- it's so heavily relies on logic and uh you know sort of chance and just all the random elements of of mm. the, the more random shit you can throw at it, the more interesting it's going to be. You can and literally it's... grab a patch cable and shake it, and it will change the tone. Exactly, <laughs> and I think, yeah. and I think, but the, I think learning that has actually influenced how I just look at music in general, because I think there's lots of space for experimentation. I think you know, even on its most minute level, you know, the wow and flutter of of the cassette tape is part mm. of that. That's an that's a that's a oscillation you know yes character yeah and so i think there's i think there's loads of uh uh space you know to to experiment and to uh you know head off in different directions and still operate within a genre but challenge that genre you know Mm -hmm. which i think is the key and i think that's something you do really well you know it's a it's a it's a space where, and I, you were saying it like earlier, you know, about uh, putting out new stuff and then mm-hmm. having these like sort of errant YouTube comments or Instagram <laughs> comments or whatever. And they're just like, I don't know. It's like, well, you know, that's fine, but you have to, you have to follow where the thing leads you, you know? Yeah, of course. And I mean, it's, it's common sense. You, uh, you, you can't please all the people all the time. Uh, it's something that's gonna it's gonna sound bad to someone somewhere. It's gonna sound great to yeah. some people, but you know, like you, if you put something out, if you put yourself out into a creative medium mm-hmm. uh, and expect it all to be roses, then you're fucking deluded, man. Like you, it, it takes a while to build up the thick skin, and I'm sure even yourself, as someone who's been doing this for a while, like yeah, you do develop thick skin, but. You could certainly, I especially couldn't say that uh, criticism still doesn't bug me, like from time <laughs> to time. Like it will, it will get through, and it should do because I mean, 
Um, so you can, I have no issue with constructive feedback. I have no issue with basically saying, like, oh, yeah, maybe something to do with the mix or actually something that is constructive. I have no problem with that because, I mean, that's the whole point in criticism. You're supposed to listen to this. It's supposed to challenge an artist and come back. Obviously, the um, the topic of critics within any creative medium is, is very debatable. I think it's kind of subjective what people think it should they or shouldn't exist but personally i think it's a good thing to challenge people otherwise you can just keep putting out the the same shit get complacent and then just get away with it and effectively turn it into a product as, instead of the art form yeah, that makes any yeah. Sense? no totally i mean it's it's that's the name of the game as, as far as it pertains to you evolving you know hmm. and i mean that's all you could really hope for i mean it's but i i also like i mean i've gone through my entire time making music and releasing music and, and making a living from music, having a fairly absurdist take on everything. Cause I look at it and I'm like, none of it makes sense. And it's also not really for me to make sense out of all mm. I know is I get up in the morning and I make coffee and I come up here and I make music and then wherever that music goes is where it goes. And if somebody wants to release that great, um, if somebody wants that as a part of their score or something they're doing great, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and like lose my mind uh, because I can't. I mean, I literally don't have the bandwidth to devote to that. And yeah. um, and you tear yourself apart, man, if you begin to like oh, yeah. over fixate yourself on on criticism and other people's opinions. You, you won't get anything done. You'll be too scared to put anything out. Like, sure. And I mean, if you if uh, I personally think the the biggest step is we all start out making some some dumb sounds and you show your friends and you'll be nervous showing your friends but see when you take that that step to actually be like i'm going to publish this online i'm going to put in a public forum and you've made that step that means that you're open to good and bad i think if you hear that bad and you regress it's not a good thing man it's like you've made no. the biggest step there that's it that's the hard part done really yeah. that is it if it, it, someone said it's bad oh <laughs> okay i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna keep doing it like you know um and I, I i mean you can i've personally never been the type of person that would like say i don't even know what what's an artist a popular artist uh, i might not personally like it but i've never been the person to seek out their video on youtube and be like this is fucking shit bro like and then yeah that that showed them going on to the video giving them uh, a click and then making the mad sense but you, you know what i mean like yeah, i don't yeah. see the point but Personally, I would just be like, oh, I, I, there you go. Um, I have no personal opinion of Billie Eilish. I, I, I don't hate the woman. I don't, but I'm, I'm clearly not the demographic that, that music is, but I'm not supposed to fucking like it. It's like, I was yeah. saying to my partner earlier, it's like those people that come up and, what do you mean you haven't read Harry Potter? It's like, I'm fucking 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I haven't read it. I'm 30 and I don't have kids to read it to. Why the fuck would I be like, you know? <laughs> yeah 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 that makes a lot of well, sense well i think also like you're talking you're speaking into the the i think there's a diminished thing that exists in culture now that wasn't there when i was a kid or even when you were a kid it's like there was an element where you went out and you hunted for things you know you mm. went and you looked for uh some record or you know a cd or you had to find thing x or you know some movie came out and you really wanted to see it so you had to go find it yeah. whereas now everything is at the click of a button really mm -hmm. you, we have access to everything which is good and bad i mean mm -hmm. i think you have a billy eilish because billy eilish is a smorgasbord of so many different 
you know, influences, you know, mm. and she has, because it, there's access to everything. Like the kids now, the, a kid today could go on to Spotify or Apple music or whatever the fuck they use. Mm. And they're going to have access to the entire warp catalog. Whereas when yeah. I was a kid, I had to go to multiple different stores, maybe in a mall, digging through the electronic bin, trying to see what warp out or what warp CDs were there. And then mm. you'd see it and you go, okay, uh, cool. This looks great. It's on the label. I like the label. I have no idea what's on this. So yeah, I'm going to go drop a, yeah. $14 on it and take it home. It may be shit for all I know, but it's like an, a, you have an allegiance to a, a thing because you believe in that thing. And I think, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I think is most interesting culturally now is that because it's for better or worse, you can't get mad at that. You can only say mm. it's the way it is, you know, um, it's, it's a, everyone has access to everything and it creates, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it creates, sometimes it creates just, you know, uh, clones of clones of clones, but other times it creates a, a Billie Eilish. That's a, you know, a weird anomaly in, in pop music or, mm. you know, whatever. And I'm all for that. I'm like more weird shit. Let's do. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you, if you look at the other side of it as well, you, I mean, I remember reading a while ago, I think it was fucking Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones said it, it was like, um, that uh effectively see that the the bedroom producer like the whole oh you're right okay you, you've got pro tools you've you've uh oh, not not even that it's like you can record whatever you want into your laptop upload it to a soundcloud you don't even need to pay for the pro subscription you can upload it there and you can start your career from that everything's all in this laptop and contained and when they get all like self-righteous and high up and it's like yeah it's not it's not real musicianship though is it? it's not real production it's just yeah. like you know back in our day and i'm like shut the fuck up right are you trying to tell me that if way back when when you and the guy started recording right if you didn't have to save up money to go for studio time hopefully in that time get everything recorded that you want pay the extra money to have it bounced to a, a whatever format at the time to then take it to radio stations and i hope that you would play it if you back then someone was like here's a little box all of that is in here for free you wouldn't have taken that <laughs> boom yeah. shit man like, shit, I, yeah. I just i hate that like constantly fucking just pushing yeah. it down it's like you, you know what i say like uh, when we're talking about billy eilish or whatever it's like you know what go get that fucking money because it's there to take people like you go for it if someone yeah, no, shows yeah. me a song that i don't like at a party i'm not going to stand there with my arms folded and be like wow let me tell you all the reasons why i don't like this it's like no you know what fuck it, it's not for me but you're dancing you're having a good time that That's means exactly something it. to someone yeah. somewhere so well, I mean, I, re I remember <laughs> reading, I remember listening, hearing Charlie XCX, right, for the first time and thinking, mm. okay, this this girl's a, you know, she's a pop star, she makes pop music, but then reading more about, like, you know, uh, PC music, like A.G. Cook was producing her stuff, and uh, the late Sophie produced some of mm -hmm. uh, her stuff, and I'm like, I'm listening to her record, and I'm like, this is a pop album that sounds like it was produced by Aphex Twin to me. Like, every mm. time I hear, because there's so many weird sounds and things, and they're, it's doing like all this shopping or something like yeah that. just do it just doing kind of crazy things to her vocal and like mm. all this kind of stuff and i'm like yeah do more of that like Go there's no it, yeah because i think a lot of times there's a there's a limitation i mean i see it a lot on the scoring side of things when i started getting more and more into scoring people were like oh well don't use your artist name because people think that's weird or don't mm. use uh don't don't you know you don't want the producers to come back and be like it sounds too indie 
you know it's like that's the worst note you can get because it's like mm -hmm. well it, that's just code for it sounds too much like you and yeah. we want it to sound some, sound like something else you know and Hans Zimmer exactly <laughs> and I, I think that <laughs> I, I think that's that's you know part and parcel to the whole you know I think David Bowie used to say like don't play to the ga the gallery you know I think that the the trick is to discover what your voice is and as the advice i like, always like to give to people when they're like oh, i'm just starting out trying to make synth wave what should i do it's like well mm. write music for five years and don't release any of it just yep run I mean, away yeah it, hide yeah. hide away and figure out what your voice is and then you know see if you have something to say you know yeah. there's no there's no real rules uh but it's so much of it is it's so much more than just going i like that and i could do mm. that that's the big problem i think a lot of people yeah. just hear yeah. And like I could do that, and it's like, well, you are now you've compressed an entire musical life and experience into a sentence. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's like those those people. It's like I mean, you've probably done it yourself or heard a family member say. It. Have you ever seen someone that's maybe been very heavy, like, uh, like quite I don't know, they go put quite heavy in stature and they lose a lot of weight and you always hear someone being like oh my god how did you do that like how mm. did you lose all this weight and it's like because they see the immediate result they don't see the like year or two of them having to wear the same clothes that are too big going to the gym cutting all this out all the struggle they just see the end result and be like oh my god yeah. teach me you know what like, people just want to see the results and i often try to tell that to people and it's just like oh my god like, like how did how did how did you write this how did you manage to do that and you're like well when i was 16 i heard aphex twin uh, <laughs> i really wanted to be aphex twin tried to just throw whatever drum and bass loops i could get hold of together realized i'm pretty shit discovered boards <laughs> of canada uh, mm -hmm. really really wanted to be boards of canada started an alias called mr sunshine which i worked on for like three years where i basically became a boards of canada clone so much so that i found my way onto reddit and then received the ire the backlash of both like, diehard boards of canada fans who either <laughs> ranged from this sounds great it's just like a continuation of the first album or kill yourself and then <laughs> i was like right okay i got a little bit self-conscious with that found out that synthwave was a thing found out all these separate wave uh, genres started working on 80s throwback music was discovered uh, was interested uh, sorry introduced to calm trues blew my mind decided to fuse them together started listening to a lot of jay Della and hip-hop lo-fi hip-hop was coming along at the time 24 7 study things let's combine all of those oh wait that sounds shit let's change it again <laughs> and you're like oh my god right it's been 10 years and only now am i like i think i've almost got my sound yeah i think maybe <laughs> until you, until until the next thing where you change your mind i mean like and I, <laughs> I think that's a, you're exactly right i mean it's a you're talking about a long-term process and it shouldn't that shouldn't be a deterrent to somebody no you know mm -hmm. but they do need to understand and i think that's you know going back to the conversation about the stair-step model of mastering anything right mm. so many people i think that a lot of people they get onto that plateau and they want to hack the process somehow like, oh, I'm going to go watch a YouTube tutorial or I'm going to go, uh, you know, do X, Y, and Z. You know, the people that don't want to quit, right, outright, that they want to, like, figure out a way to cheat the system. And I'm like, well, yeah. there's no, there really is. I mean, you can do that if you want to. I don't think that the music will be as 
powerful. It won't be as authentic, certainly. Cheat? Did you mean Kenny Beats sauce? <laughs> Mix your track in one click, my man. That's it. You don't have to write any of the music. You just click that button. That is definitely it. The worst thing about social media is when you are a, a musician because the ads that you get are oh, the most. I made a video about soul crushing. <laughs> yeah. Just. Uh, for if, a while i was getting the master class ads all the time and it would yeah. be and it was Hans zimmer in his like velvet pants oh, and he yeah. would be like you know he's like music is a conversation and or it's like a what does he say music's like a question he's like there's a question mm. and there's an answer and then he plays mm. like some weird little melody he's like it's a bit of a dodgy question and it was like <laughs> this like and i remember just sitting there and just being like oh this fucking i, I know like, i cannot imagine like ever being in that position like yeah he's a fantastic composer very talented but i just cannot imagine sitting and like they go I'm, I'm part of the memorex memories masterclass and trying to appear so so trying so hard to appear profound yeah they paid they paid good money for that profoundness though <laughs> exactly where it's just like um how do i mix my kicks well first of all you have to become the kick right? <laughs> you, have to, you have to be the kick and you have to kick yourself you're like shut the fuck <laughs> up man like what like i cut about like 20 hertz off and it sounded good and that's why i kept it in there like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's awesome. but, um, no, if if any of you guys are interested or if you've been haunted by those ads, I do I I do recommend going over to my YouTube channel and clicking on a video that I made uh, during lockdown uh, called uh, "Pretentious Pricks in Their Purple Rooms," um, <laughs> where I just went off on those fucking arcade output. Uh, was it output by arcade? Oh, or something? Yeah, yeah. Those uh, those commercials. And uh, I put it out just at a point of sheer frustration, just because I was so tired of seeing them, and I didn't actually expect people to resonate it as well as they did. But I, I every producer I know was just like, "Thank you." <laughs> the, the guy hits like one key on the keyboard, and he just makes this face like it's like just blown his mind. His mind is just like blown <laughs> no, by what's happened. Like, and those commercials as well, where they're mm -hmm. like. Uh, it's like you see them and they, they push down a key on the midi keyboard like an actual key and a hi-hat sound comes out and you're like guy why are you sequencing your hi-hats for the fucking keyboard like, <laughs> you know there's a mouse right or uh, there's buttons and shit you can say it's always that like, well it all i mean it all circles back to what we were talking about before which is the the cheating aspect which is not to say that you know one way of m making music is going to be better than than, than another. Mm. It's it's more that these companies are marketing it as a such. You know, like mm -hmm. oh, here's the secret weapon. You just need our product. <laughs> yeah. That's like a bunch of loops already, and then that will just make the music for you. And I think that you know, inspiration is is obviously super important when you're creating something. But I think that uh, you know. Trying, trying to market things and, and shove things out in the world and creating content mm. based on this idea that like I'm going to press this one key and it's going to do the whole thing for me is yeah. a little, it's super disingenuous. And mm. I feel like what you do end up with is you end up with a generation of kids that are coming up that are, you know, that watching all the YouTube tutorials and take the pre-made loop put yeah, it into and, the preset. Uh, yeah. under the mixer and then press the one key and then go over to your browser and get the chord progression pack that they drag in and it, it leaves the four chords of pop in there trap loop. slippery slope <laughs> and don't forget that they're owning the rights to all this stuff anyways right yeah. so you're yeah. you're using proprietary or copywritten things and so not only are they selling you a service 
they're selling you a false idea. And then they mm. basically really own the music anyways because they own all that material that's on that website or their libraries. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a scary... It is, and I mean, it kind of goes... It's, it's, it's still like a little bit... There's a little element of like 1984, like, you know, neuromance are hidden in there somewhere, I'm sure. But like, I think that... Uh, it's all, I think it's all relative. And I think maybe I'm just being super absurdist about it, but I think that like, it's all going to be based upon the output. So, you know, what you end up doing with said technology, that's all that really matters, I guess. And I think that, um, I don't know. I think there's so much space out there for people to nurture something and make something interesting by any means, you know, I, yeah. that's what I love about Seth talking about reason. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with kids who are producing who just shit all over reason. Mm. I love and it. They're like, and I'm like, uh, you know, whatever works, man. Mm -hmm. If you make mm -hmm. cool music in GarageBand, go for it. You know, like yeah. there's no rules. That's the beauty of it. Um, yeah, um, Tom, um, well, uh, Audlin, mm -hmm. I had the, like, fucking the, uh, pleasure of him actually uh, coming to my flat a few years ago and he came down to mine for a week and we just decided to work on music and um i remember it, it was also just a bit disorientating as well when he was like oh yeah like uh, i learned the chords to i think it might have been thanks for listening they played it and i was like yeah and he was like you look a bit confused and i said well i actually just used basic chords and then down tuned the synthesizer <laughs> until it fit those progressions but anyway like i remember like he was just like perplexed because when i was working on this it's like i had like i, I love just like basically wrapping about 600 patch cables around my neck and then just going for it that's my yeah. idea of a good night in, like just plugging <laughs> this in seeing what sounds i can get but it was like um I took uh, a hi-hat pattern, which I then put into the external input of my Korg MS-10. Uh, I turned up the noise and then took the output of the MS-10 and then put that into a noise gate. I took the noise gate out and then ran it into the input of my uh, Roland TR-8 uh, because it has a scatter function on it. So ran it through there, took the output of that back into my patch <laughs> base, which I then ran through like various mo and then I played it and it was just like a and he was like, you went through all of that for that sound. And he was like, you could have just done this. And I was like, yeah, but I enjoyed doing that. Yeah. That, that, it's like, that's just, that's the way I like to do it. It's like the, the amount of people that say that, it's like, oh, all those glitches and everything you could get, like, say, is it deep blue glitch or what is it? Glitch point two or whatever. And yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm sure it's great. And if that works for you and you can get the same sounds, cool. But I just enjoy manually mangling music. It's like, it would probably be so much, uh, considerably less time consuming if i just use the plugins but i enjoy doing it so that that's that keeps the, my flow going well it's part of the it's the like process you know it's mm. the, the journey of doing it and i think that's one thing people especially people who are like starting out looking for some quick way to do something you you are you're like losing a part of that experience and that experience shapes the stuff like it shapes mm. what you're making you know um and also like i think it's something that um I don't know if you get asked quite a bit, but um, when you were mentioning that, is it like the uh, the 10,000 hour mastery thing yeah, that you yeah. often hear? I think one of the things that uh, I feel the more experience you get within your creative medium, uh, 
you don't realize how important it is and then you realize that that is an inte- an, like, an absolutely essential and integral step to creating anything and it doesn't have anything to do with mixing writing music of any kind and it is your workflow and it's like uh, how to prepare your environment and it's like if you just wake up and you sit down uh, see for me i have to wake up early i have to go to the gym now come back and then i clean the house mm. uh, i light you know like those yankee candle that wax melts <laughs> <laughs> the house is smelling nice everything is done i make myself a coffee i have an apple then i sit down i'm like okay that's it because then i'm like i'm not thinking of anything else the place smells good i can lean into that like i don't have shit to do and but i think like that's something that i've only taken some solace in recently or some understanding you're like that's really important the amount of times where i've just sat down and tried to force something out but you're like I'm turning around and occasionally like adjusting my bed sheets because it's slightly crinkled. I'm like, oh man, I've got to put in this wash load. And <laughs> so, no, yeah, I mean, but... I again, I think we're the same person. Like, I think that uh, <laughs> workflow is absolutely, I mean, it's the key. And I think for a lot of people, above and beyond, just like you said, above and beyond any synthesizer or any whatever, the mm. how you make your music is so crucial. And how like how you walk into that space to create means as much as any piece of gear or any bit of music theory, yeah. Uh, because it's you're setting yourself up to either succeed or fail. And mm-hmm. uh, I think for a lot of people, that's why they bang their head against the wall and they give up is because they just can't figure out how to do something. And yeah, and, and, and uh, it's like that yeah. as well. Where it's like um, the is it like the the reissues of like you know the profit five mm. and stuff like that and it's like oh yes it's like five it's like 16 voice it's, it's five five thousand dollars right it's like five thousand uh, dollars it's got like 16 voices it's got all these filters and this and you're like yeah it's it's great that is literally my dream synthesizer i've used an emulator of it like so much that when i actually got to use it at a convention i could work it inside and out right but <laughs> like you you have to ask yourself it's like do you require this you just want yeah. it. Is it going to add into your workflow? It's like I, I personally use like uh, a keyboard and mouse that because that's comfortable. I've got keyboards that have got like the the faders and sliders and buttons that can operate, but it's like from my personal workflow, it doesn't work. The reason I've got a um, I've got an automated mixer with the automated faders, and you can like change all the pan and everything just with this mixer. But the reason I got that more than anything is I think it's sometimes important that when you're mixing to actually be able to take your eyes off the screen and listen to it. And I find that like they go, if I'm able to adjust the pan and manually the volume, hear this just from touch when mm. I'm closing my eyes, I'm like, that's the reason I've got this. That was an essential piece. But like, do I need an Oberheim? No, I, I would like one, but. Uh, I'm not saying like it's it's stupid to have one or it's wrong to have one, but I know personally it's like I have all the hardware since that I know I'm going to use. Maybe if one comes along where I'm like I really need this, cool, yeah. that's when I go for it. But like, um, I think a lot of people say, "Oh, what, what's the best synth to start uh, writing synth wave?" You're like, "There's not an answer to that." <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you get certain sounds, but yeah. Mm. Well, I think it's a danger. That's also another dangerous slope that a lot of people. I have a lot of friends who make music, and it's like the gear acquisition syndrome, you know, that people think they have to own thing X to make their music good. Mm. Uh, that's a lie. That's, yeah, that's not a... true at <laughs> not all. True. And, you know, and, and, and it's interesting. Cause like you, just like you said, like a lot of, I'll have conversations with people like, Oh yeah. You know, when you made that record, 
that means a lot to me. Like, what did you use and what did you do? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, it's just some plugin that I downloaded for, you know, <laughs> and it wasn't anything fancy at all. Yeah. And again, just like you were saying uh, with Indicay too, it's like going back and trying to recapture magic in a bottle is, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time is impossible. And I yeah. think that because it's an experience and I'm the same way with my studio. It's like, I don't, if I'm not using something, I sell it, I get rid of it because I'm just like, it's just, I know that my bandwidth for the space that I have and the things that I have in it, it's, there's only so much there, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm the kind of guy where I, if I go to a restaurant, I always get the same thing. Oh yeah. Cause I go in and I'm like, I can't, I don't want to look at the men. I don't want, I can't I don't be disappointed. Well, <laughs> well, no, no. But like de decision fatigue, you know, it's like, it's a real thing. Like I just yeah. don't, I, I want my, and it, it, workflow is like that. When you have a, a, a system, a routine, it's there for a reason, you know, because mm -hmm. it, it puts you in the best possible space when you walk in the studio to make your music. You're like, all right, I've had my coffee, I have my apple, I'm ready to roll. Exactly, and man. yeah, that's, it's so Mental crucial. Yeah. So I so guys, I think this is a great uh, port way to wrap up the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, any other final thoughts before we we close it down and and uh, and go off? I really want to say I appreciate the both of you coming on. Wow, this is like I've just I'm kind of like pinching myself a little bit during this conversation because <laughs> hearing all of these uh, these bits of from both of you about how music is made in your processes and and really the discussion is like. I feel like I'm in a secret meeting and I'm not supposed to be here. And I'm like, <laughs> like, Oh fuck. It's They're going to find deal. me out real quick. Um, I think you need to, I think you need to give Sean some space to uh, plug his record. That's about to come out and talk about where the people can find it and get it. And oh, uh, Christ, don't say that, man. Like, I was actually just about to apologize there. Cause I'm just <laughs> like, I know I am prone to rambling and just like being absolutely stall three all of the us. Place. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then on top of uh, that, you gotta, let well, the, it's like, you gotta let the people know what, what's going on. <laughs> And on top of that as well, it's like you've got someone that literally sounds like a terrible Mike Myers impersonation about a green man who lives in a certain swamp, right? So it's like, so I'm over here trying to regulate the speed in which I'm talking and then trying not to. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully your audience, uh, you got uh, subtitles. <laughs> I understood every word, so you're fine. Yeah. No, but um, it, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on, man. Like I said, I've been following Paradise Arcade for a while and I've listened to some of the interviews, so it's just really, really cool to actually be on here and, and finally so actually speak with you face-to-face -face as well. I think we've only existed over messages for some time, so uh, um, yeah, I've, I've had a blast, man. I apologize. Uh, uh, sorry, I appreciate you guys <laughs> uh, putting up with me. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be a professional businessman now. Yeah, um, yeah plug your shit. Um, listen up kids <laughs> grab your, your mom's credit card and uh, <laughs> no uh, but really really excited man 25th of this month 25th of february uh we are gonna have in motion one and two on uh, a one sexy piece of wax there's going to be two color variants of that uh, we're also going to be doing a run of cassettes from stratford and then something i'm so happy about um, is that I'm also working with my good friend Joe over at uh, Pugent Sound Collective, um, just a fledgling new upstart um, uh, indie label. 
um and i mean i owe a lot to joe mostly just like a lot of mental support and everything over the years so anyway i can give back but the thing i'm really really excited about is we're also doing a limited run of cassettes on puget sound and they will be a a, a unique wrap like the it looks so cool like some of the photos that i took for like um the the promo pictures for the album they're actually wrapped around the physical cassette it looks so uh, sick nice. man wow and um there's this thing in glasgow it's actually known like the um it's called the Clydeport crane it's like just a huge crane that's uh it was kind of like a monument back in the day it's disused now but it's just kind of sitting there it's kind of like an unofficial landmark but on one side of the cassette it looks like that crane is wrapped around it and i was just oh, so wow. happy with uh. that but yeah um so all of that's coming out on the 25th it is going to be streaming absolutely everywhere cool. uh we're also going to have a debut on electronic gems as well we're going to have two of those so we're going to have a uh, um 86th with the super talented Timo. that's going to be debuting on there and then later we're going to have liminal space and if i've got time to plug and maybe actually for once give myself some kind of pat on the back of self-confidence to me i personally think that liminal space is the most competent thing i've ever written musically and i'm i'm being serious like I, I, it actually has it has a fucking bridge i've never written a bridge in my life i was so excited like when i played that back i was like holy shit that's a bridge that the chords just changed for a second and now it's back wow the miracle of 10 years of training for a single bridge but yeah very very excited man that's awesome and right, of yeah, course i look forward to experiencing the 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 experience of that bridge <laughs> you know what i'm talking about i, can't I do wait, i know exactly awesome. what you're talking about yes my mind's going clear he's going up yeah. the bridge <laughs> <laughs> no man it's it's been really good to uh meet and talk to you and uh congratulations man on all of it i think it's all great stuff and it's cool yeah. to see what you're doing yeah no thank you so much man it's a little, a little bit overwhelming man it's yeah. very positive <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Matt, for subbing in for Kyle. Really appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Likewise, so, man. Till next time. This is Eric. Take care, folks. All right, we're done recording. Listening to Paradise Arcade.